This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, it's not often that we can start an episode of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation by legitimately claiming. Now, we've claimed on occasion to have a few things in common with the front office and uh, may or may not have been all that accurate. But in this case, it's absolutely genuine and legitimate when I say that we have very much in common with the Cardinals front office that our phone lines are open here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Let there be long-distance telecommunication. Paul Calvisi manning down the Ford at HQ with Jim Almohundro and now tossing it out to Indianapolis and the Combine, where we find boots on the ground in the form of Darren Urban and Danny Sarek. Darren, how's it going out there? Uh, it's going wonderfully, actually. It's it's funny. Uh, it's not. I'm I'm sure it's because of climate change, but it's not nearly as cold as it usually is. Got a little windy last night, a little bit, but for the most part, uh, it's been pretty mild. It's in the mid 50s, and uh, we're underway. The Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford talk today, and that's how you know for me the combine has started. Is we have that first day where the head coach and GM talk a little bit, and we kind of go from there. And Danny, uh, they did confirm, did they not? Just to make sure we're not joking around here, the phone lines are most definitely open, whether it's a number three pick overall or maybe even DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, both those topics came up for Gannon and Awesome Ford, and they both uh, talked about how they're happy to have Hopkins on the team right now, but that was pretty much all the, the reassurance that we got at the moment was the type of weapon he is and what he brings to a team, but they're not sure whether or not he will be on this roster when the season starts. Um, so it, it, they did kind of imply that it would be open to talks about possibly training DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and when it comes to that third overall pick, Austin Ford said that, yes, their phone lines are open. He hasn't received any calls yet, but there is still plenty of time for those to come ahead of the draft in late April. Where are you right now, Danny? Where, where exactly are you within? Because – you know, I've never been to the Combine, so I can only just sort of paint a mental picture based on what you guys have said over the years, but you could definitely spend a week of the Combine and maybe not even go outside, right? Everything seems to be interconnected. Yes, which is very nice. I mean, like Darren was saying, you know, the weather compared to previous years is actually pretty nice. The fact that it's not too windy, the sun is out right now, there's not snow, but yes, tunnels connecting to all the nearby hotels, which is very nice, not only for staying warm, but also when you're lugging equipment, like our video staff that we're with. Darren and I are currently in the convention center in a hallway. We're, on, we're just outside the media room with about hundreds of tables set up for media to work in. Darren and I are about 20 yards apart, so I've got a great view of Darren Urban, who looks just dashing today as he waves to me. Um, and so we're, we're close enough to where we're, we feel like we're podcasting with you, Paul, but not too close to where, you know, you can't hear that echo um, on the phone line. Danny, do tell, by the way. I mean, Darren's been doing this for two decades. Can you you guys go about 50 yards at a time and then Darren runs into somebody else that he's known forever, right? And he daps it up. I mean, honestly, it probably gets a little obnoxious at times, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I would never use the word obnoxious in the mm. same sentence as Darren Urban saying, okay. no, I can't really talk. You know, I, I feel like that is, mm. you know, personally one of the best parts about coming out to things like the Combine or the Pro Bowl or the draft or things like that is getting to see and connect with people around the league, other media members, whether that's national or who, who work for other team that you either know personally and have worked with. Um, or that you've just kind of followed along on Twitter and you get to meet him in person. And I think that's a pretty cool part. So I'm not going to bash Darren on that because I will say I've had my fair share of seeing uh, colleagues and stuff and, and chatting it up with them. But that is, that is a nice part, a nice perk about being out at events like this. 
All right, Darren, takeaways so far, whether it's uh, you know during the two press conferences with the new head coach and GM, otherwise conversations maybe you've had, how active do you think the Cardinals are going to be, especially picking number three, and there appears to be at least three quarterbacks, maybe even four, we'll get into that, who might merit consideration in the top three. I mean, what's the big buzz right now? Well, it, it was funny because, you know, you wake up this morning and – the, the big bombshell story was the Washington commander story, which uh, it just seems kind of weird. I saw some Washington people walking around here, and I'm, I thought to myself, it's got to be kind of weird having this story way above my pay grade floating around the team that you're covering. So obviously that was that was something early. Um, but, but even going back to, to last night, Paul, I'll be honest, I was out uh, with a, a longtime friend of mine who works does what I do for the Panthers, and there was another Panthers writer, and there was a couple other people, but um, walked into a restaurant, went to go have dinner, happened to see a table where Ian Rappaport of NFL Network was having dinner, said hi to him, and then 10 minutes later, Ian Rappaport, while he was still sitting over there, tweets out that Adrian Wilson was leaving to take a job with the Panthers. So that was kind of a, that was kind of made last night kind of interesting. And, you know, and I'm, I'm happy for Adrian. Obviously, I've known him his whole professional career uh consider him a friend and uh now he moves on as the combine opens to go work for the panthers uh where i happen to know a number of people which obviously you do too dan nettles our good friend dan nettles works over at the panthers right now so um it's it that that feels like another another push towards the changing of the guard not that adrian leaving was that shocking but again it just kind of underscores what a seismic shift the Cardinals have really had now uh, as we get into the combine and how that we you know, will be different decision makers, and this is just a whole new process. And A-Dub has been around long enough that my initial reaction was, oh, man, you know, Adrian Wilson is leaving home, he's leaving the AZ, and then you realize, no, he's going home to the Carolinas. He grew up High Point, North Carolina, played at North Carolina State, so if there's one place other than the Cardinals that I could see him continuing his NFL career, it would be the Carolina Panthers. So all the best to A-Dub, who is always a great guest, uh, whether he's playing or post-playing career, always kept it straight with all of us in the media side. <laughs> Some of us more than others, Darren, you would know all about that. He would give us the yeah. death stare, and he didn't have to say anything, and you knew uh, the response. Uh, and as someone who uh, did the Big Red Rage, and he was our player host, uh, you know, it, it, it's – it's just gratifying to see Adrian Wilson and all the work he put in. Right when his playing career ended, he didn't ma- he didn't mind doing all the grunt work, just being one of the regular guys, almost like you know, almost to the intern status, doing all that sort of stuff, putting in all the work and all the scouting reports. And uh, obviously, his career after ball has accelerated quickly. So, you know, it, it seems to me, you guys can agree or disagree, and Danny, let me know. But I've seen a couple of reports that have hinted that the entire offseason is predicated on the future of Aaron Rodgers. And whatever Aaron Rodgers decides and or the Packers decide, because there needs to be a decision soon as to what exactly is going to happen in Green Bay with a four-time MVP. Is he going to end up going to the Jets? Could he be going to the Raiders? What would the Packers do? Would they indeed go ahead and elevate Jordan Love? Or is that media speak, and they might go after Derek Carr? And even if Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay, Danny, guess what? His salary number is around $60 million for this coming season. So is that going to be palatable, tenable? It just seems like that's because Derek Carr's out there working teams, is he not? Isn't he visiting with teams? And then it's almost as if once these veteran QBs find their home in musical chairs, then we can start talking about all the prospects who are working out at the Combine. Yeah, those are the reports, Paul, that Derek Hart is out here talking with some teams in person. But I, I feel like that's a pretty good feeling is that it, it does kind of see that all these other moves might be predicated around what happens with Rodgers and the Packers and whether or not he stays in Green Bay or goes somewhere else. And you start looking at the list of um, veteran quarterbacks or pending free agents and who knows what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and if they're going to come to some sort of deal. Um, thankfully, the Cardinals are not in a situation where they need to worry about that, uh, having locked up Kyler Murray as their franchise quarterback. But it is interesting, you know, kind of taking a step down um, is what the Cardinals are going to do with a quarterback. Um, when Jonathan Gannon talked 
to the media at the podium Tuesday out here at the Combine saying that, you know, this offense is going to be built around Kyler Murray. And then those however many weeks that Murray is expected to miss as he's rehabbing that ACL injury, they'll just fill in with that backup quarterback. But but this offense is going to be built from the start, even though Kyler Murray's not expected to be ready to start the season. It will still be built around Kyler Murray and his skill set. It'll be interesting to see because now we know that backup quarterback Colt McCoy underwent a procedure. Um, so what is that recovery going to look like? Are they going to need to bring someone in um, just for the offseason? Are they going to want to bring in someone to add a little competition maybe as a backup quarterback to start the season? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do in that front, but thankfully not as pressing as looking for your starting quarterback the way uh, other teams are in the league. And I think you're right. I think that all starts with Aaron Rodgers. And then, of course, the other team's search for a starting quarterback via the draft could very much benefit the Arizona Cardinals, which we'll get into in a minute. But, Darren, set the scene for Monty Ossenfort's presser. He was the first one to go. A couple hours later or so was Jonathan Gannon. You know, what's it like? I mean, is it – is it hard to get positioning? Are there tons of national media around? Do people come and go? Obviously, I'm guessing like the Sean Paytons of the world are getting a huge crowd. And then, you know, all told, I mean, Monty Ford and Jonathan Gannon as first-timers in their positions, uh, what was it like? Were you able to get all your questions in? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. The the Gannon thing was a lot different. Monty Ford went. There was only, I believe, one other. Everybody didn't stay on the exact schedule, so it was hard to tell exactly how many people were talking at the same time, because they kind of end up overlapping, which normally doesn't happen. But, um, you know, I think Monty had a decent crowd around him, but um, not not a ton of questions. It was a lot easier to get into the questions with Austin Ford. Jonathan Gannon had a lot more people around him. Most of them were Philadelphia writers. There was an attempt, uh, a strong one, to try and uh, kind of grill him a little bit about what happened at the Super Bowl by the Philadelphia writers because they didn't have a chance to talk to him after the game. Uh, and he answered a couple of those questions and then kind of said, uh, when he got the third one, kind of was like, okay, I've, I'm, I'm trying to move forward here. You know, that didn't end the way I wanted to. I needed to do a better job, but we're going to kind of move on. And once that happened, there was, a, there was, a, there were more questions Cardinals related, but um, it, it's funny at these when you're up at the podium because it's it's not just oh you know Philadelphia writers might want to ask about the Super Bowl there's there's lots of different media here for lots of different reasons and so people want to ask general questions about the draft they want to ask general questions about trend stories in the league so the the press conference doesn't you know a good chunk of it isn't necessarily going to be directly about the Cardinals per se I will say. Uh, with Monty, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff coming out. Uh, the Gannon thing that really struck me uh, when he was talking, relatively speaking, I mean, he talked about Hopkins and Kyler, as you mentioned, um, but those are all things that we kind of already knew. Um, but he kind of was talking about how he sees the defense as a canvas. Uh, and the idea is we're going to let the defenders do what they want within the context of the canvas, which is uh, – you, you have a big enough area to play with that you can do some different things to, for lack of a better term, create the painting on that canvas. But you can't go off the canvas. You can't go outside the lines. And, and that's ultimately kind of how he sees how the defense is going to go. And it's going to be interesting because we've talked a lot about uh, Cliff Kingsbury being a player's coach. And when you hear Jonathan Gannon talking, I mean, there's a, still a lot of that kind of vibe I mean, he's delivering it a little bit differently, uh, for sure, because Cliff was is more quiet than compared to, to Gannon. Um, but it's the same kind of stuff. We want the players to be comfortable, and we want, you know, that that kind of thing. So ultimately, that, I think that's. I'll be curious to know how that all kind of plays out. You know, I, I tell you, and I was talking to Craig Grillo about this on the Red Sea Report. The Cardinals roster is so wide open right now. So many question marks that if you truly are adapting your defense to the players on the roster, guess what? It's an incomplete right now. I would think it's darn near impossible to say this is who we are. This is what we do well. It'd be real tough to formulate any specifics as to how you want to play defense in a lot of regards. You just don't have enough players yet at so many key positions. I know, Danny, that Monty Austin Ford was asked about Zach Allen and Byron Murphy, and he was pretty adamant, right? Cardinals 
want to keep both of those pending free agents. He was asked about Isaiah Simmons, Monty Austin Ford, about the fifth-year option. Was uh, Well, didn't really give an indication either way, other than saying we have till May, we're going to figure that out. But as for Isaiah Simmons, someone had asked Jonathan Gannon, Danny, that about his best position, which I thought was a good question. And then Jonathan Gannon's response, well, we look forward to figuring that out with him. So, you know, first got to figure out Isaiah Simmons' immediate future, and then boom, beyond the contract, you know, where it is on the depth chart exactly. Right, and I thought that was an interesting answer, and I don't necessarily mean this as a knock to the previous coaching staff, but it, it kind of seemed like Gannon was intentional with using those words with him. We're going to figure out the best spot for Isaiah Simmons with him. So it seems like there is going to be that open dialogue um, and where Isaiah Simmons might feel he's the best fit, where he can be the most effective and his unique skill set to kind of play all over the field. Um, but Gannon said that, you know, they have until May because they're still evaluating this this roster that they have, right? They're still finalizing the coaching staff. So it, it does kind of put a time crunch on things and you know, the, the way that Monty Austinfort has described this is said opportunity, right? I mean, there's plenty of decisions that need to be made when you are looking at this roster and the pending free agents and having the third overall pick in the draft. So there's a lot of moving parts, and the fact that this coaching staff is in the final stages of being put together does kind of put things, um, they have to be expedited a little bit um, as everyone's working together. So it doesn't really surprise me that that was the response about Isaiah Simmons, that, you know, they're, they're, they have until May um, because they are still making those decisions. I do think it was interesting that we've now heard from multiple people at the top of this organization, including owner Michael Bidwell on the past pod the other week, bringing up Zach Allen by name and wanting him back and, and wanting to, to come together on a deal there and mentioning Byron Murphy as well. Those are two big veteran pieces um, that you, you know, need on this defense, in my opinion. I think especially losing J.J. Watt and then, you know, not having really a veteran presence in pass rushers um, this past year is, I think having Zach Allen and Byron Murphy can be very beneficial for this defense moving forward when you're, you know, looking to keep those pieces to add with like a, a Buda Baker and, and things of that nature. So I did think that was interesting to mention Zach Allen again by name and, and the um, wanting to keep them the interest and in, in keeping them here. And on potential future big pieces of the Cardinals' defense, I know the media tried to kick the tires a little bit on Will Anderson versus Jalen Carter. Right, Darren? Especially with Jonathan Gannon. And uh, as you might imagine, he wasn't biting. No. I mean, look, no one's going to say – and that's the thing is, like, we can ask the questions, and we, and we need to ask the questions, but you're not going to get a whole, whole lot out of – we're, we're past the days of uh, <laughs> sitting here and asking Denny – green questions here at the combine and talking about how much he loved jj errington and if he's there he's going to take him and then in the second round yeah he took jj errington um <laughs> but yep. uh i i think I, I think there is still a lot of evaluation that needs to go in i think it goes back to a little bit what you were talking about before paul which is by the time we get to the draft by the time they have to make a decision on that third pick whether to trade it or take one of these players we're going to have a much better idea of what they need for that defense and who might fit better. And we just aren't going to know that right now. If they don't, they're going to, we're going to have to go through free agency. We're going to have to see what kind of people are on this roster. Now, if you end up staying at third, you're, you, to me, you need to take who you feel like is going to be the best long-term, in this case, defender, because I think those are the players that are ranked up there, the best long-term defender, and you make, you make your defense fit around that person. Because if you think, you know, Will Anderson is that guy, and okay, maybe you were going to run something a little bit differently that didn't that didn't wouldn't work out perfectly for him, but you think he's going to be a 18 sack a year guy, then you take him and you make sure your defense works with him, and I, and I think ultimately that'll be where that goes. But we're again, we're so early, you know. It is too early to be getting real phone calls about trades. Now, could there be a conversation or two had in the bowels of of Lucas Oil Stadium between Monty and another guy about, hey, keep us in mind for that third pick down the road. Yeah, I could see that possibly happening. And uh, even though, you know, are, are there some conversations? Would I be surprised if Monty Ford didn't talk to the agent of Zach Allen and or Byron Murphy while we were here? I would hope that that would possibly happen. I mean, again, with those guys, you're talking about only a couple weeks before they hit the open market. And whether it's 
legal or not, they're going to have a good idea after this week is over what the rest of the league thinks about them in terms of what money they might be able to get. And that's usually why uh, extensions end up getting done is because they have a better idea of what their market's going to be. So I, if you're going to keep those guys, I would expect a deal sooner rather than later. And because if they get to free agency, usually that means the guy's not coming back. Once again, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek at the Combine 2023 in Indianapolis. Paul Calvisi back at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. The start of the Combine just in time for everyone's amusement. Mock Draft 2.0 comes out from Bucky Brooks and Mel Kuyper. Bucky Brooks had Jalen Carter 1, Bryce Young 2, Will Anderson 3 to the Cardinals, Mel Kuyper 2.0, Bryce Young 1, C.J. Stroud 2, Will Anderson, number three, to the Cardinals. What's interesting in the Mel Kuyper is there were two trades before the Cardinals selected. Houston traded up to number one to take Bryce Young. Indy traded up from four to two to take C.J. Stroud. And here's my prediction, Danny, that by the time we do get to the draft, and it all starts right now at the Combine, because somebody's going to test through the roof. Oh, I don't know, an Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, Whomever, Will Levis, uh, he's got a big arm. He could get out there and pull a Mitch Trubisky. And then before you know it, these guys are being overdrafted as teams reach for the quarterback. But the best-case scenario is that this buzz continues to build, starting with the combine. Right, Danny? And then all of a sudden, guess what? There might be trades at 1-2 and even 3 as the Cardinals cash in some team's desperate need for a future franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's – a great point that the Cardinals are lucky that they don't need a quarterback and not only that but there are so many teams that do and that that bodes well for them and the opportunities that they have with the third overall pick the Cardinals will have an option likely at one of if not the top defender on the board and like Darren was saying somebody that you know hopefully they feel could be a piece to build this defense around for years to come and if the Cardinals feel like they can still get those top of type of premium players a couple of spots down and you can get some more draft capital that will likely be an option for them as well um i i I wouldn't be surprised i feel like though if the cardinals decide not to trade down because you do have this opportunity to get possibly like a, a game changer again for years to come so i think that really anything is up in the air at this point um i'm not sure that anything would surprise me it will be interesting because this is the first draft for Austin Fort as a general manager and, of course, with the Cardinals and, and what this staff as a whole, not just the front office, but with the scouts and the coaches, what it is that they envision this team to become. Um, I'm not sure that they would have a set decision on what they want to do, whether it is training back or picking quite yet. I think you do have to look at this roster and you have to look at what pending free agents you're going to bring back, if any. And I, I think that it's probably too soon for them to have a final idea on what it is they want to do or who they want to pick because like we've talked about you have so many other players you have to figure out on this roster well and the other thing too paul for me is um you you don't know what the trade partner might be when we sit here and we talk about trades in the draft and trading three what does that mean i mean part of it is oh what kind of haul might you be able to get i get that but it also means who are we talking about like when you mentioned earlier that the in that kuiper thing um, the Colts trade up and the Texans trade up, well, then who who's behind you that needs to move up again and where are they coming from? Because you might be able to get a haul, but if you're going from 3 to 12 or whatever it might be, I'm just throwing numbers out there, um, is that, I mean, are you going to get enough that it's worth dropping all that way down? You know, and again, these are the things that Monty Austin Ford has to measure every Every GM has to measure those kinds of things, and yeah, you need you need players. But at the same time, if you uh, if you believe by the time we get to the draft that Will Anderson, for instance, is a generational pass rusher, uh, or even just a just a complete stud, and you know you're looking at twelve, or yeah, you might you're going to get a solid player, but nowhere near that. You better know what you're getting extra out of that, and that you're going to be able to turn that into something. I agree. Right, you're going to have to look at those those other teams if you're going to trade down that and the positions they need. Right? Are, are there enough players high enough on your board to where, like Darren was saying, that player you would still be happy enough with getting that player? And I think something that's important to remember is that the Cardinals pick high in every round. So the only you know 
trading back that third overall pick is not the only way to get draft capital. The Cardinals could make a trade for rounds two or three, and you can still get draft capital later on in the draft and, and you know, still get another pick later on in the round and, and kind of um, maneuver things that way. So it doesn't just have to be this third overall pick because, again, the Cardinals have high picks in every round. So that's not the only way for them to kind of get more bang for their buck. Valid points, absolutely. And to your points, for example, if you're going to trade back, and let's say you're still within the top 10, top 12, well, obviously Will Anderson would be gone, Jalen Carter would be gone, probably Tyree Wilson would be gone from Texas Tech, but there are a couple of blue-chip Clemson defensive linemen, edge rushers, who might still be there. So if they're a tick behind in terms of the evaluation of Will Anderson, which might be a stretch, but if those guys are there, because I tell you, you read Mel Kuyper's quick summary on Will Anderson, and I'll, I'll just read it real quick, because it's pretty powerful. It's pretty intriguing. It, it's a pretty pretty bold case to stay at number three when Mel Kuyper writes about Will Anderson, quote, he is a dominant and complete edge rusher who might have been the number one pick last April if he'd been eligible for the draft, doesn't take plays off, that's a ding, is versatile, plays the run well, explosive off the line of scrimmage. Nick Saban used him as a stand-up outside linebacker, as a down defensive end, even a D-tackle where he he blowed up guards and centers at the snap. End quote on Will Anderson. So, I mean, if you have that sort of generational-type player, you know, I, I, I'm with you. It really is truly going to take a massive haul to move out of number three if indeed Will Anderson is available right there. But we'll see. I, uh, explain to me if he's that great why the Bears wouldn't take him at one. Good point. Absolutely. I, I, I totally like, agree. He might not even yeah. be there at three. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're absolutely. What's to keep a team from trading up and taking Will Anderson? Forget the quarterback, right? If it's all, if this league is all about the quarterback and getting to the quarterback, you're right. It, it's um, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. He he's gonna compete at his pro day, correct? Will Anderson? Yeah, I believe I believe I believe he's not doing a whole lot of. Uh, most of the top guys aren't going to do a ton of stuff here in terms <laughs> of the physical stuff, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I mean I'm sure he'll he'll max out at his pro day whenever Alabama's pro day might be. Look, and just to wrap up this this line of thinking, my point is that if Zach Wilson recently can get drafted number two overall, if the Niners can trade three first-round picks and take Trey Lance number three overall, right? I mean, the Bears traded up to take Mitch Trubisky number two ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. We all know that. 20 years ago, I looked it up real quick just to confirm, 20 years ago, you had that stretch at number three overall, Achilles Smith, Joey Harrington, he Schuler, all in like a five-year span between like 99 and 2004. So there was a lot of desperation and a lot of overdrafting and overreaching for quarterbacks at number three. And that's my point, is how might that benefit the Arizona Cardinals? That's an unknown over the next couple of months. But what I – probably the most meaningful thing I've read so far, guys – is Darren was was Monty's comment to you going into the combine, azcardinals.com, and he had the quote about, yeah, we're working with a collapsed time frame. This is your preview of the combine. And yeah. he and he went on to say, the on-field work, the testing, it's another piece of information. Saying that the medical is the most important, the interviews are second most important, it's all boring to the fans. He said, but I wouldn't say any of the drills at the combine are a driver of anything on how we make our decisions. And to me, that's the best thing I've heard because it's not about the measurables. It's whether the guy can play and whether the guy fits. And so all right. this all, all, all this data that's going to be generated over the next week here by the drills and everything else, that's great. You put it on the card and then draft card, okay. But I think too many teams, and the Cardinals might have been guilty of this too with some of their first-round flameouts, relying too much on the measurables. And hopefully that's come to an end. Well, you know, again, you there, there's so much that goes into this, but you know, I, I think it's you want to you want to take guys that are good football players that have proven to be good football players, and it's hard to ever believe that a guy is going to be he's going to excel on the NFL when he didn't excel previous, and it doesn't matter 
how high he can jump or how fast he can run. I mean, come on. But we say that every year, and inevitably, I mean, you, you mentioned Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson did not look in college like he was going to be uh, a franchise quarterback. He looked like he had the tools to do that, but he didn't look like he would be. So the question is, is does that win over people as we go forward? It's, it's, it's really a fascinating question. I will say, too, just general consensus of covering this league for the last couple of years and all the scouts that I've talked to, it's that the main chunk of the analysis comes throughout the year and, and traveling to schools and watching film on these players. Like Darren was saying, the most important part about the combine is the medicals being out here and those player interviews. Now, you can get a look at the fundamentals at the drills that are run out here at the combine, um, but this would really just kind of solidify um, what they had seen on film about these players you know, these drills out here at the combine, because obviously they're not, you know, there's no other variables coming into play of going up against somebody, whether offense or defense and all of those things. So the, the main part being out here is the medical. And, and I think that the big chunk of work when it comes to evaluating a player is more so on the film throughout their season. And then those interviews, you know, that, that Monty had mentioned, you're right, Danny, he cited medical number one, then the interviews, especially, and we talked a little bit about this on the Red Sea Report, if Dave Sears coming over from the Lions, and the Lions from all accounts, when you listen to a Dan Campbell, when you listen to a Chris Spielman, who's right up there, one of the decision makers in the Lions front office, when you listen to them, they've spent the last couple of years looking for a very specific type of mindset within a player. And so I think these interviews are going to be critical. Now, Darren, the question is, can you drill down in, what, your 15-minute interview and, and, and get past some of the conditioning from the agents right to say all the right things and, and truly get into the essence of the player and figure out how much he does love the game and, and how vested he will be in his NFL career I guess that is the challenge ultimately don't forget that the the meeting at the combine is not the only time that they talk to these players they they get a handful of visits from some guys at their facility there's some uh uh informal meetings that happen around here you can talk to a guy at a pro day but i mean are we ever are are you going to have like three hours with a guy to really ultimately break him down and and know no and you're still not going to know until they're in the cauldron of the nfl and what's funny is is like i don't even know if it's necessarily something where you don't sometimes i think you it's something where you could tell ahead of time but i don't know if it's always the time i mean because the reality is becoming an adult and going into your first job, which in this case for these guys are, is professional football, that, that's a cauldron that, that changes the, the, the formula of, of a person sometimes. And you, you might know the person might be who exactly you think he is getting in there, and then when you drop him into that cauldron, it changes a guy. The chemistry changes. And, uh, and so I do think... You know, we, we overuse the cliche, the inexact science, but I think ultimately I think there's a lot to that because in the end I don't think it's always you're always able to figure out what's what ahead of time. I think you have to get into it, and sometimes it's going to mean a miss, and it stinks, but it's reality. That's also a big part as to where you rely on your scouts and the work that they are doing throughout the season and the trips they are making to schools and the relationships they have formed with coaches at these different schools to really get a better feel for the player as a person and their work ethic and all of those types of questions. And I think that's where you rely heavily on your scouting department is what they have gathered from the player and person as a whole. And then kind of like we were just talking about the combine really is just kind of solidifying maybe that evaluation, answering any final questions. And I think you get a a good start and learning about the person from that sense earlier on throughout the season from your scouts, and then you can fill in any blanks you have at those interviews here in Indy. Is there a player or two that are really creating a buzz that you think everyone is anxious to see? Are, are there a couple? Obviously an Anthony Richardson, right? And maybe even the quarterback group with a Will Levis is scheduled to throw and, and a C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I'm just curious. Are there? I don't know. Are there some? Is there going to be some must-watch TV there for a certain position group or player or two? 
Well, I do, I do think the quarterback thing is going to play into it just because of everything we've talked about, because of what happens at the top of the draft, how it can change the thing. I'll be honest, we haven't really been here long enough to um, to get that sense yet because players don't get on the field until Thursday and they don't start talking to the media until tomorrow. Um, and the bottom line is today was all about existing NFL teams and coaches and GMs talking. So the storylines were about that today. I mean, today was a lot more about the Packers basically coming out and saying, we still don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers uh, and, and that kind of thing. Today was still about the team saying, the Bears saying, yeah, you know, we could still take a quarterback at number one. We'll see what happens, that kind of thing. I think once you start getting deeper in the week, that's when the player stuff starts coming up. And, uh, and, and I think, again, how much is that going to imp- be impacted by what happens on the field? Have enough of these teams managed to stay away from that line of thinking, I guess, for lack of a better term, when you're, you're getting wowed by measurables that you shouldn't be? I mean, we've seen Anthony Richardson play. We've seen Bryce Young play. All these things. And in, in even in the case of Bryce Young, like uh, the one thing I have heard, I feel like I've heard a little bit, is, again, the argument over Bryce Young, his size. I mean, he's not taller than Kyle, Kyler Murray, really, and he's definitely not as thick. He's, he's more, more like Devonta Smith. And so is that a guy that you're going to be comfortable putting behind center knowing that injuries happen? No, no great point. Uh, and then the other question that both Monty and Jonathan Gannon got was about DeAndre Hopkins. So do we have a sense, Danny, as to when we'll get an answer on DeAndre Hopkins? Not necessarily on when something will happen. It, it does kind of feel like they are up to the possibility of making a trade when it comes to Hopkins. I'm not sure if that would be something that would come before the draft and that would – affect maybe some pieces they need and and what they're going to be focusing on there. Um, I would imagine you would wait a couple weeks from now because if that's the case, you're going to want to see maybe what free agents are going to hit the market and and what options you might have on that front. Um, There's a chance that nothing happens, that especially not having Kyler Murray to start the season, you probably want a top wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins out on the field to make life a little easier for whatever quarterback the Cardinals do end up starting next season with. I I really think that anything is possible when it comes to Hopkins, but the vibe that I was getting from Gannon and Ossifort at the podium on Tuesday, which matches with what we had heard prior to them talking here at the Combine, is that they are open to the possibility of trading Hopkins. Now, Ossifort did confirm that he had a talk with Hopkins and that he felt it was productive, but that was really all we got from him on the front of what those discussions entailed. It was interesting to me, Paul, one, that Austin Fort mentioned that he talked to Hopkins and his representative, and if we remember correctly, DeAndre, when he signed his his uh, extension, it was made very clear that DeAndre did it on his own and he didn't have an agent, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll be honest, I, I think it's still wide open, and I know they keep talking about we love to have him around and everything, but... I've been doing this for a long time, and it just feels if you're if you're going to keep a guy, or if you thinking that's still a really strong possibility, I feel like you're a little stronger with talking about him potentially staying than uh, I'm not sure. Which was what Gannon's first words out of his mouth when it was asked if DeAndre Hopkins was going to be around this season for the Cardinals. He said, "I'm not sure." Now it's it's honest, and I and I do think I do think like Danny said, I do think. Everything is on the table right now, um, but it's certainly not. It's certainly not like oh, he, he's going to be here. We want this guy here. I mean, how many times, Paul, have we heard somebody say, "Well, we want this guy here," and then they move it later, and well, things changed, you know. But I, it's, it's. I don't feel like it's ever the other way where you're wishy-washy, and then, and then later the person ends up staying, and it's like, oh, yeah, we always thought he was going to stay. You know, it just never feels that way. Totally agree, and that combined with the previous last time that Jonathan Gannon met the media during the coordinator press conferences, he said he had yet to talk to DeAndre Hopkins at that point. I thought that was telling in a way because 
he was definitely going to stay, I would figure there would have been a conversation. So I there's at least going to be some serious discussions, I would guess. And best case scenario, Monty Asifor walks out of Indianapolis and gets on a flight back to the AZ, and he had serious inquiries from, like, the Browns. You know all the Browns fans want to reunite, uh, you know, D-Hop with Deshaun Watson, a Giants team that is it was pretty competitive this year, right, but was short on receiving talent and just got rid of Galladay. You know, whether it's uh, New England, the affinity, Belichick and DeAndre Hopkins, I know Bill O'Brien is back in New England, and that probably precludes it. I mean, even a Cowboys team now that's lamenting you know, their receiver room after getting rid of Amari Cooper and Jerry Jones now, last thing you want to do is lose a trade to the Cowboys. I get it. But there are teams well, out there who I think are interested. I, and I, I was just going to throw in there, I didn't mean to step on you there, but uh, it's it's tough to see when you're going to finish when I'm in Indianapolis and you're in Phoenix, so i got to admit that one. Um, but I will say that like it's also notable that Joel Corey, the former agent who writes for CBS sports.com now noted that uh while deandre hopkins signed a contract that had a no trade clause the no trade clause was uh voided when he got suspended so all of a sudden the cardinals have a little bit more leeway in terms of where they might be able to send him now there's things involved there if deandre says well i want a contract extension with somebody when i go there otherwise i'm not i don't I'm not going to want to stick around or i'm going to be a problem or whatever i mean that that could be a thing but i do think the cardinals have some options there and and you just laid out a number of them that would make some sense well and two again if if you decide to make this decision sooner rather than later um and you have an idea of the free agents that are going to hit the market that could play a role into what you are asking for and what you're receiving in this trade or if you're going to get a couple more draft picks and then the Cardinals might not feel the need to maybe trade back from that third overall spot because they're going to get more draft capital from a trade with Hopkins. So again, this, this could lead to other possibilities. Um, so it really wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if you're going to do that move, you would wait for free agency to begin and then maybe make that trade and, and see how that can help you in the draft. No doubt. And I think there there will be a pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's enough out there in terms of what number one receivers have done to complete an offense and really propel a contender to that next level that I think there will be enough intrigue and interest. So question is, what can you make the trade for? And then you have to weigh the cost-benefit ratio, et cetera. So it's interesting. I also thought it was interesting, too, Rand Carthon met the media, the new Titans GM coming over from the 49ers, and they asked about his philosophy for team building. I'm just going to read the quote. This is Rand Carthon, new GM of the Titans, his philosophy, building a team. Quote, it's cute and sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather is good, but the teams that play in January play tough defense and run the football. End quote. I just – I saw that quote, and, and I think – I think, I surmise, Darren, it does apply, I think, to the direction the Cardinals are going to go, and as opposed to the Golden State Warriors brand of football where we're going to spread the field and we're going to run that sort of offense, I would say the new iteration of this Arizona Cardinals team and where it's going, it feels like that's the direction, what Rand Carthon just said to the media. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't foresee Monty Awesomefort having such a, a – uh, sexy quote like that like Rand Carthon did but I would agree with you I think talking to both Gannon and Austin Fort the number of times that I've had and knowing where Austin Fort comes from which is uh, Tennessee New England I do think that that's kind of the thought process that they want to get to and and let's face it in some ways that helps you a little bit in terms of I, I do feel like there are ways to build your team quicker in, in that style than perhaps other style where you need some magnificent skill players to make it work all the time. Any other talk, Danny, at either press conference about some of the pending free agents, you know, whether it's the offensive line of Kelvin Beecham, a Will Hernandez, you know, obviously Zach Allen, Byron Murphy was asked by the media. Any other names of veterans, Isaiah Simmons to both the head coach and the GM, but any other names that were prominent that were asked by the media in regards to the Cardinals' future? No, those are really the main ones with Zach Allen and Byron Murphy as penning for agents and talking about Isaiah Simmons. Of course, Kyler Murray was brought up to both Gannon and Austin Ford. It was what we have heard up until this point, which is that 
Kyler Murray is attacking his rehab. They are happy with where he's at right now. There is no timetable for his return. They just want to make sure that he is healthy and feeling good and confident so that when he does return, he feels his best and he can still be a threat with those legs. So nothing new on that front, but that was the only other player that they were each asked about, but again, reiterated that they are happy with the work ethic that Kyler Murray has been putting into that rehab. They're happy with where he's at right now in that process. It's just about making sure that he is um, taking his time in the sense that he will feel ready to go when it's time for him to come back. Anybody go with the Darren, the, the question about the veteran quarterback then inevitably is going to be added to this roster now, especially in light of some injury news on Cole McCoy. Anybody throw out there like, oh, I don't know, Marcus Mariota was released this morning, coach. What do you think about the uh, former Falcons quarterback? You know, it's funny. There was – no, no names were brought up. Let's put it that way. No names were brought up. They didn't They didn't commit necessarily to adding a veteran quarterback. Now, Monty Ford did say, look, it, it always makes sense to add competition – there at quarterback but he then added that goes for every position and then kind of took the steam out of whatever comment he might have been making of the quarterback if you're just going to go and say every position is like that um but i don't i don't think it's an absolute lock they add a veteran quarterback you would think they would um but i don't know how that's going to work um i'm curious to know what they do with Colt McCoy. Like if Colt McCoy, they decide, yes, we want Colt McCoy here and he's our guy. Okay. I'm assuming Kyler Murray might just end up on the physically unable to perform list to start the season, but we're going to have to see on his timeline because if you do, if you have him on the pup list, that means he misses at least the first six games. And that's a significant chunk. Now you might be willing to make that jump, but if you don't want him to miss six games, then you have to have him on the roster. Then you're almost guaranteed that you're going to have to have another veteran quarterback because you can't afford to be taking up. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can afford to take up a roster spot with Colt and somebody completely untested. So uh, this, to me, is going to be one of the more fascinating things, and I do think the timeline of Kyler Murray is going to impact that and how it plays out and, and how big of a, of a jump do you want to make. Uh, with that veteran quarterback, I mean, again, the other thing is, is if are you gonna are you gonna basically leapfrog Colt McCoy as your starter to bring in somebody else, or are you bringing in just another body and then uh, somebody to again compete with Colt McCoy and may the best man win, but it's not necessarily somebody you're bringing in who will absolutely start. I I think that's one of the more fascinating uh, storylines of the off season, given Kyler Murray's situation. By the way, the name I've been throwing out there, as you guys know, for many weeks now was uh, shot down in resounding fashion by our Drew Stanton last Friday on a special edition of the Red Sea Report, the 13-year NFL veteran quarterback, former Cardinals QB. I brought up Jacoby Brissett, and he said, Paul, Jacoby Brissett had a good enough season for Cleveland. He's going to get big enough money that it wouldn't be a good fit for the role that he would be playing with the Cardinals, not to mention He's going to get a lot of interest from his former GM, Nick Casario, in Houston, who's in desperate need of a quarterback, and or Josh McDaniels in Vegas, his former coach in New England. So according to Drew, we can uh, just cross Jacoby Brissett off that list. So, And by the way, in case, in case you're wondering, the, the working list, because I've added a few names to it. You guys ready for this? Here we go. All right, we'll throw out Brissett. Andy Dalton, Sam Darnold, Mike White, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, Mariota, Tyler, Taylor Heineke, Jared Stidham, Carson Wentz, Case Keenum, Chase Daniel, and we're not including Derek Carr or Jimmy G. It's it's a again uh, it's a fascinating list of quarterbacks out there, but there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Yep. And again, you're going to have to convince somebody to come here and say, well, we want you to play, but you're going to. Well, we either want you to play or compete with Colt McCoy to play. And then when Kyler Murray's healthy, you're going to be on the bench anyway. So that's going to take some guys out of the, out of the possibility if they've got a chance to start all season somewhere else. All right, so it's quitting time for you guys in Indianapolis. What's next, Danny? What's on the docket tonight? You know, uh, you know who's handling the, the social after-work hours event calendar? What, what's, what's lined up? It's been a group effort. Um, we ended up other, <laughs> teamwork other at its Cardinals, best, right? Yes, other Cardinals employees and I uh, did something a little different than Aaron last night, but we did make sure to meet up at one of our local 
uh, favorite local spots out here. So I'm sure we will do the same tonight. We've got our uh, big dinner at the famous St. Elmo's Steakhouse tomorrow evening, um, which I'm excited about. Darren's looking at me, so I'm not sure what he wants to add. But I will say Darren was fun. For those of you... For those listeners who might think that Darren is not fun, Darren was a fun. He's a, he's a great time when we're out. I, I will wow, was, I will vouch for him on that. That was a pretty backhanded uh, compliment there. You're what, what's funny is, Danny said we did something different last night. We didn't do anything different. We just didn't go together. It turned out we ended up going to the same restaurant. We just happened to be there at different times. <laughs> we didn't know that, but we actually went to the same restaurant. So it's yeah. good. That's good. So, so according to Danny, it's the first scouting report filed at the Combine 2023 that Darren Urban actually belies his scouting report from years past and, in truth, is actually fun in person. Is that what you're saying, Danny? Did I hear that right? Yes, that is what I'm saying, Darren. Darren has been fun so far, so I'm excited for the rest of us. We have a, a few more people from our team joining us here tonight, um, so it should be a good time. And I do want to mention real quick, Paul, to the listeners, um, we've actually had a few – listeners, which thank you for listening, who have in the last week or so um, made a comment about the Paul Bingo that we have been playing since the start of the year, whether that's been um, reviews, whether that's been through the mailbag. So we do appreciate that people are enjoying this. Darren and I did not bring our bingo cards out to end. We both had bingo, which is how we ended last week's podcast. So we need to make a new board. But I will say we have been having requests for people who have maybe wanting to pin to be uh, joining us along from home and playing with us. So we are working through the logistics about making that possible for those of you who are interested in playing Paul Bingo with us. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without Paul Calvisi. Just yeah. everybody remember that. Right. Some are enjoying the feedback on the bingo. Some are enjoying the feedback on the bingo card more than others. Let's just clarify that, okay? And uh, with you guys being uh, at the combine, no, we didn't get a chance to get around to cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. So you can take that off the stinking bingo card right about now. You know what? I I, I think we should have we should have walked it off with Darren's comment about he's actually more fun in person and on the road than people might expect. Let's leave it right there for this road trip edition from the Combine 2023 edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.